exactly you, what he said. You pick up my broken pieces, so I figured I'd pick up one or two of yours. passage this morning is in uh, John, as we've been walking through John since the, the new year, and uh, one that um, works really well with communion. I wish I could say I'd planned it that way. It's just one of those things that, you know, you pray and coincidences happen. And uh, this uh, one that really hits at the essence of what it means um, to be committed uh, to, uh, to Christ. Um, John chapter 6, starting with verse 52, found on page uh, 868 in your pew Bible, if you want to read along there, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's uh, pray together. Dear gracious God, we ask uh, again that your spirit would be at work Uh, opening the very eyes of our soul, uh, the ears of our soul, to see and to hear what you would have for us um, as we explore your written word together. May your living word indeed abide in us. We give ourselves uh, unto you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. John chapter 6, starting with verse 52. Hear the word of the Lord. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I've told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You ever heard of a medical condition called keratinderma? It's a real medical condition. And it describes a condition of your skin turning, turning orange because you eat too many carrots. It takes about eight or nine a day for several weeks. And the skin color will start to turn orange because of the beta carotene building up and then moving into the tissue of your skin. I think that's a perfect illustration of what Jesus is saying here. It harkens back to one of those sayings that we hear all the time. You are what you eat. That's what Jesus is getting across here. He, He wants to be the one that colors our skin. He wants to be the one that we ingest, that we hunger for, that we long for, that that we eat and drink so that He is the one who nourishes our soul. He is the one who who gives us the energy and the direction. He, He is the one who so fills us that we live more and more like Him. He wants us to eat and drink of Him. For we are what we eat. Now, let's just take a a little moment here. What exact, I mean, really, did did He literally mean we need to eat of His flesh and drink of His blood? We, many in the Protestant church, say no. He's really not meaning that. Now, there are some other followers of Jesus who think, yeah, He was literally meaning that. For us, we, we look at this and say, you know, he's saying that, and he says it on a number of occasions, but never does do they then eat his flesh and drink his blood. Never is it literally followed. So we don't understand it to be literal, but we understand what he's saying to be spiritual. And as, as we gather at the table, this is not just a good memory device. Not just a a good experience of the senses. But we recognize as we gather at the table that this sacrament, one of the two that we believe Jesus instituted, Lord's Supper and baptism, that this is a time of a, a spiritual reality. The spiritual mystical essence of our relationship with God in a way that God touches us. We hear God's word. And then we gather at the sacraments regularly to receive God's touch in a mystical way, in a spiritual way. And so Jesus is is clearly getting at that here. The, the, The mystical essence of our relationship, the spiritual essence of our relationship with him, it is it is beyond the the literal physical nature of flesh and blood or bread and juice. And Jesus gets at that here in verse uh, 65 as he talks about no one can come to me unless the Father brings them. There is a a spiritual reality that he is getting at. Another verse to recognize in verse 56 where he speaks to the spiritual reality of what he's saying. 
Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. What we call mutual indwelling. Where we abide in Christ we give con- and He abides in us. We give control of our lives to Him. We, we surrender our life, we abide in Him and then we receive Him to abide in us. And we give him control. He becomes the director. He becomes the boss. The king of our lives. That's what it means to eat and drink. That's what it means for him to abide in us and for us to abide in him. And as we gather around the table, not only is that being enacted in a way, not only is that being lived out spiritually, but it's also a sign and a symbol of us enacting, of us receiving him as we receive the bread, as we receive the juice, as we take it in as a symbol of us wanting Jesus to be in us, the one who leads and guides us. That's interesting, too, as he goes into that little metaphor, then the response. I mean, in verse 60, we're told there that a number of the disciples then Say, you know, this teaching's too hard. Um, I'm going home. It's been nice hanging with you, Jesus, but if this is really what you're asking for, I'm going to go home. And many left. And Jesus, it's important to see that then Jesus said, oh, well, wait a minute, let me try a different story then. Let me try a different metaphor. He doesn't give an inch. Doesn't budge a letter. And he lets them go. Because as we've said from the, the beginning, Jesus does have a, a bottom line. He has what he is pursuing. What he is pursuing with us is for us to, to totally give our lives unto him. To surrender ourselves totally unto him. That, that is the ask that he has of us. And he asks it over and over again. And this is another way that he asks it. And, and some of the disciples then... Leave. And it did make me wonder. I mean, Jesus, let's change the metaphor here. Now, aren't there other ways to ask this? Isn't there another illustration you could use to communicate what you're trying to communicate instead of turning people off by saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood? And the answer was no. This one's just right because I think what Jesus wants to communicate at this stage in the gospel with these folks who've been hanging out with him for a while is he doesn't want people who dabble in him he wants people who are committed to him when it comes to the meal Jesus isn't just dessert he's the whole thing he is the salad and the sorbet he is the steak and the succotash. And he is the sweetest dessert. But he's the whole thing. And he is telling his disciples then, and they get it. You've you got to give your whole self to me, and you've got to take all of me in you. And some of them say no thanks. And they go home. They're, in a sense, 
malnourished in Jesus. They're, they're, they're filled with something. Their soul is filled with something, but it's not Jesus. They're malnourished in him, so they go home. You, you remember the story of Rick Duell? It was uh, six, seven years ago. He was the half-ton man. At his peak, weighed a little over 1,100 pounds. Had to get uh, firemen to come in and, and cut a bigger hole in, in a wall in order to get him out of his house. He hadn't been out of his house in like seven years because of his size. And they had to special fit an ambulance and put him in one in order to get him to the hospital. And when he got to the hospital, one of his primary, his primary diagnosis, this is an 1,100-pound man, and his primary diagnosis was he was malnourished. See, he was full. He was more than full. But he was full with the wrong stuff. His diet was so high in calorie and fat and so low in what was really nutritious that he was arguably the largest man in the world at the time, but malnourished. And and I wondered when I heard that story, gosh, you know, can, can that be me as a Christian at times? Can that be us as Christians at times? We're full, man. We got all the experiences, all the spiritual experiences we want, all the things that that, that can feed our, our soul, but we don't feed it with what nourishes it the most. Now, I know that uh, in this particular story, this event, Jesus caused a lot of people to be uncomfortable. It's not my style, really. But I want to be true to the text in the way of Jesus. So I want to ask you point blank. When you look in the mirror, are you spiritually nourished? I don't want you to... This is not the time to think, man, this would have been a really good sermon for so-and-so to come and hear. This is the time for you to look in the mirror, to look in your own soul and ask, am I nourished in Christ? Is my soul nourished? Is it full with those words and the one who gives life? And to be totally honest with yourself. I mean, Jesus is clear here. You know, He's the one that brings life. And I love Peter's response there at the end. After everybody else has left, after Jesus has made his claim, Jesus has made his command, he has made his demand even. He said, I want you to to follow me and give your whole self to me. And many have left. Turns to Peter, to the other disciples. Are you guys going to leave too? And I love his response. Where would we go? Yeah, this is a hard truth. Yeah, this is, this is difficult. This, this, this blows our mind. This doesn't fit with what we thought was real and true. But from hanging out with you, this one thing we know, that you are the Holy One of God. 
And you are the only one that brings us the words of life and life eternal. You are the only one that brings us words of truth. So where would we go? So again, I I want that question to be the question that you are asking yourself. Am I nourished? Is my soul nourished? Is Is it full with that that brings life? And am I doing the things that nourish it? Is my spiritual diet good, sound, well-balanced? It's a great day to, to consider you know, that spiritual diet. You know, the things that come into our soul come in through our mind, come in through our eyes and our ears and what we take in. You know, and this is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the, the day that, that companies pay $2.8 to $3 million for a 30-second spot on TV. And that's just for the time on TV. That's not the production cost or anything else. And, you know, companies don't just do that on a lark. Ah, let's try it. Let's try 30 seconds. You know, $3 million, sure, we'll take a chance you know they've spent their time and they've spent the, the resources necessary to know that that 30 seconds is going to reach and influence a lot of people. Otherwise, they wouldn't spend the money on it. Shows you how powerful just 30 seconds can be even. So as we consider Jesus' hard teaching here to eat and to drink Him, to have a, a well-balanced spiritual diet, what I ask of you is, as you watch the commercials, because it's, it's debatable, which is more enjoyable to watch. You know, usually the commercials are better than the game, if the Super Bowl is as usually is. But watch them critically. Not negatively, but critically. Ask, you know, what are they teaching? What is this, what is this trying to, to nourish my soul with? Is it good? Could be. You, you, I'll tell you what's amazing. You find Jesus in the strangest places. You know, I, I hear rap songs with my children in the car. And every once in a while, and, and periodically, I know I'm one of those you know, dads. That they don't, it's part of a ploy to get them to not listen to the music as much because then I'll give my own critique of it you know, as we're listening, um, of which they hate, of which I hate it. But, you know, it's, it's fun now. But there's some times when I hear Jesus in hip-hop. I hear some longings for, for life and for truth. And I'm like, ooh, Clara, that's good. Yeah. When that, that one comes on, let's listen to that one again. And then there are others, plenty others, plenty of opportunities to say, that's trash. <laughs> there ain't nothing life-giving about those words. But you'll be surprised if you listen, if you watch critically. Even to what I'm saying, seriously. I, I'm, I am not ex-cathedra. <laughs> not uh, popish by any means. I'm never going to wear one of the hats. But critically, in the power of the Spirit, to listen and to take in and filter what we hear and what we see. Is this, is this, should I allow this into my soul? Or not? So to do that um, today, and somebody got mad at me at the first service, said I've ruined the Super Bowl for them. 
Oh, then that, you know, I'm like, okay, that's one person that maybe I did exactly what Jesus was doing for. <laughs> but the second is more positive. Not just to be critically of all the, the voices and things that we see and we hear, but also are you taking the time necessary to be with Jesus? Are you, because you're going, your soul is going to be fed. It's going to be fed. Is it going to be nourishing to your soul or not? And are you taking time to go to the things that we know? Which is it on the food pyramid at the top or the bottom? That's the, where the grains are. You know, the stuff we know that's good for us. Are you taking the time to, in the, the soul pyramid of the diet to be with Jesus, to be in His Word, to sit with Him in silence and meditation. You're t- obviously taking the time to gather in community, to worship Him. Are you taking the time positively to feed your soul what nourishes your soul? And again, ask that question honestly. Look in the mirror and ask that and then do something about it. What I think Jesus is getting at here or what I'm getting at and I think he's leading us to it is you've got to be sure you are taking responsibility for your own spiritual growth. It is your responsibility for your own spiritual growth. And as you're maturing in Christ... No longer be spoon-fed in the high chair, but take responsibility for your own. We are what we eat. So let us take the time and energy to be sure what we are feeding our soul is that which what feeds us words of life that Jesus gives to us.